Hello and welcome to the Place to Be Reviews. Pete right here with you. Thank you for joining me this evening. And on the show tonight, we have our Walking Dead Season 9, Episode 15, The Calm Before. We're going to do that review. Also, be breaking down Episode 23 of Battlezone TV for the My IWE timeline. That'll be October 2016. And that will be coming up in the later part of the program. But first, we're going to jump right on over and review The Calm Before, Episode 15, The Walking Dead. That's coming up next. So Episode 15, The Calm Before. Uh, this episode would feature what has been dubbed by fans as the Red Fair. I know I'm a couple days after the episode, but uh, I like to view it more than once. And um, we've got some other stuff going on, so we're going to uh, we're gonna make the review. You know, I'll, I'll make it good. I'll make it. I'll make it listenable for you guys. <laughs> but no, we got the Red Fair, um, and you all know how The Walking Dead likes to use their symbolism. Uh, there was red like all over. You had it on banners, on uh, Enid's shirt, um, which, I mean, I came to think it symbolized death, obviously. Um, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was, you know, there. like I said, I'm, I'm kind of going to jump around with my points here, um, just because this is how I wrote it, so deal with it. Um, no, so you've got all these different items that are red. And like I said, it's just more Walking Dead symbolism. Uh, and at the beginning, the very beginning of the episode, this beautiful setup with the backstory of Hildy and Miles and their anniversary and how they found, uh, you know, Hilltop. Um, and it summarily leads to their deaths at the hands of Alpha. So she can scalp, she scalps Hildy and uses her hair and her dress to get into the fair. Um, you know, she made all those coins and I thought it was really cool to find out that <clears throat> those coins are actually, the wooden coins were handmade by one of the prop designers. And it, when you saw the, uh, character of Hildy crafting them, when you, just the scenes on her hands and what she was doing, that was actually, uh, the prop master doing that. That was kind of neat to see him actually being made like that. I think she, well, I can't remember how many she made. It was like over like 50 or 60 of them she made so uh, and i want to talk a little bit about those two characters because that was such i mean we knew it was going to happen but um it was just such a cool uh setup for him <laughs> it's one of the things where like you legitimately like oh these two are like so like they're so like in love and you know they're happy i'm like ah that's a shame this isn't going to end well you know so of course they're just cannon fodder at the beginning of the show with two other poor sobs who happened to hop in their little wagon with them because those two, you know, we saw them, we saw them all later. Um, well, three out of four of them we saw as walkers. Well, one of them was just a, a face. Uh, the one of the whispers was wearing Miles' face, and then the other two guys were uh, walkers. So uh, then we got the Carol, uh, Daryl Michonne, and Yumiko group, you know, when they were uh, going out um, after the after the whispers there. Uh, to go protect uh, Hilltop. You know, Ozzy and Alec, the highwaymen, they're out clearing the roads around the fair, and they found Hildy and Miles' overturned wagon. You know, they try to track him. You know, DJ kind of goes with uh, Alec and uh, Ozzy. And I really have to say, um, I liked uh, Ozzy, the actor. Uh, Angus, I can't remember his last name, that played him. He was he was such a likable character. And that's what bummed me out about the Highwaymen. 
I'm like, when you figure out that they're not going to be uh, enemies, it's like you're introducing them in episode, you know, was it 13 or 14? Uh, 13. It's like, oh no, they're, they're just going to be fodder uh, for, uh, for the whispers, you know, because it's like, okay, so they, they got, they got away from, uh, any major conflict with, uh, the kingdom, you know, as Carol and Ezekiel made their visit. So, okay. Sigh of relief there. We're not going to lose anybody unnecessarily over some, you know, small, uh, minor conflict that can be resolved without bloodshed after the all at war, you know, which was six years in the past. But, but then it's like you're so close to the end of the season. You know you've got a Michonne bottle episode coming up. So this is episode 13. We meet this group. All right. So if this was going to be a long arc, they would have been introduced earlier. But they're introduced in 13. We don't really see them in 14. Then 15 is the Pike episode. So it's like, oh, no. And then the season finale, you know, is coming up after, you know, well, this coming week. So it's like you knew they were just going to be fodder. So the only one you really got to know was Ozzy. I mean, you saw Alec as number two uh, in a few scenes with him as they're out clearing the roads and whatnot. Um, but so you just you just knew this this wasn't going to end well for them. And yeah, so they uh, it was it was kind of it was just bad because I, I really like I said I was really the characters really growing on me. Um, so <laughs> they're, you know, we're, we're search, they're searching for, uh, you know, what's going on, looking around for the whispers, trying to get the hilltop, you know, looking for any more, you know, clues on where the, uh, whispers went that, uh, killed, uh, Hildy and Miles. Um, you know, so at that point, Alpha's already at the fair. Um, but at one point you had this exchange between Beta and Alpha, um, and Alpha says she wants to be alone and she started crying Beta leaves, but he, you know he sees her cry, and then you see this other whisper, and Alpha looks right at him, and she calls him over, and he, he has carrying a bird, and he drops a bird, walks over to her, and then she just like straight stabs him in the neck and just kills him, you know, wipes the blade off, and goes right back about her business. I guess this is uh, you do not get to see Alpha cry. Um, <laughs> I would have pretended I was Stevie Wonder at that point, <laughs> but no, that that just speaks. To the dynamic that Alpha and Beta have, uh, that she has, they've had a couple moments like this, um, but she knows that he is so fiercely loyal to her that he wouldn't dare challenge her, go against her. So she, you know, has that extra level of trust in him without uh, without making herself uh, appear vulnerable to him. Real in reality. Um, because she knows he's 100%, 100 million, million, million percent loyal to her. Um, so yeah, she kills this guy just for seeing her cry, which is just, you know, it's like, oh, your own people are fodder now. Well, I mean, I understand you have to maintain that role, so she is the alpha. So we get different characters, you know, how they're disappearing at the fair, um, and what would lead to be their, you know, their final interactions, like Tara, Tara talking to, um, uh, Rachel from Oceanside and it's about training uh, fighters and you know they said oh I'll talk to you when I get back da, 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 and Tara leaves and uh, you know all these different characters are being uh, lured out and uh, lured out and uh, 
you know, kidnapped and taken to a barn, a seven in total, uh, which is odd because, like I said, in the in the, uh, in the comics, um, you got uh, there was twelve Pike victims. Uh, we got ten, and we'll we'll get to that. Um, so while she's at the fair, Alpha not only has a uh, kind of a long interaction with King Ezekiel, which I didn't think that uh, he was going to die in this episode. But when I saw that, I immediately flashed to uh, the comic, and Ezekiel is one of the, the Pike victims. So it was like, oh, wow, okay, they're they're going to do that. you know. And I honestly would not have minded that. Um, but when I get to the list of victims, which is coming up here, I will uh, I will explain why I would have rather seen Ezekiel uh, than a couple of these characters. Well, than one of the characters, one or two of them anyway. Um, but yeah, so we're we're almost there with that. So yeah, you get Alpha and Lydia having a uh, interaction as Alpha comes and sits down by Lydia at the movies after Henry has left to go and look at a um a banging on the pipe something he thought was wrong with the water system which i don't know why he wouldn't just take lydia with him it's not like she knows anybody else there the one time he left her alone uh gage and rodney came over and started harassing her and kind of spreading trying to fill her head with nonsense telling her that henry was interested in addy um so yeah I just, I didn't, I didn't really, I was like, just take her with you, but I understand plot, you know, plot armor, whatever, whatever. So that's why she did. So that, that opens it up for Alpha to sit by her and, you know, you know, kind of holds her hand and then they lead, they kind of walk out together and they're out kind of away from everybody. And they have this moment, Lydia's like, I can scream, da, 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 da. And, you know, people come over here and, you know, Alpha, you can tell it kind of, kind of pisses her off but she leaves and you know at this point you don't know if she already has or how many people she already has you know kidnapped and taken off site yet and uh if she had any help or not which she had seven uh people so she probably had to have some help uh having some of the whispers outside of the kingdom to aid her in this and getting them out um, Greg Nicotero said in an interview uh, that he did. They didn't want to give uh, give everything up. They wanted to be kind of like because sometimes those off screen moments create more terror because it lets the imagination kind of wander and create these scenarios. And you know, is this how that happened? So it's kind of nice to leave that to the imagination. Although I'm not going to lie, it would be kind of cool to see exactly what she did. Um, so the Pike lineup. Um, we got uh, we got seven people. Uh, we had um, Frankie, Tammy Rose. Tammy Rose was the only uh, one from the comics to translate over to the show. Uh, Addie and Rodney, uh, Tara, Enid, and Henry. Uh, also, uh, those were your seven that were taken from the fair. Um, Sadiq was also taken. Um, but he survived. And then you've got uh, the other three were Ozzy and Alec from the Highwaymen and DJ, the savior turned, uh, was he at Alexandrian? I believe he was at Alexandria or the, or the Hilltop. Um, but yeah, uh, 
I was I didn't want to see Ozzy and Alec go. I would have honestly this is gonna sound stupid, but I would have rather seen King Ezekiel go. Uh, give that nod to the comics and uh, break Carol out of this um, just Susie Homemaker uh, phase she's in again. Uh, I, I, I prefer violent, short-haired uh, Carol with a bag of guns and a ghillie suit on, uh, blowing up a tank uh, at Terminus, you know, and, and frying walkers and just causing havoc with Daryl's crossbow. That's, that's, what I, that's what I want back. Um, not this, not, you know, uh, Queen Carol and her uh, pacifism, which I know is just a, a, a front, but I, I liked Violent Carol. I know we can't have that all the time, but my God, is it more fun <laughs> than this? So I would rather see Ezekiel go than um, Ozzy, and um, I would have, I would have killed off. Uh, I know you need meaningful deaths. That's why I would have added Ezekiel. Uh, spared Ozzy and also taken Henry off because this is this one actually I was like physically angry because it was our chance to get that Carl and Lydia arc from the comics with Henry which they've been laying the groundwork for since the whole Henry going to the Whispers camp and you know to get Lydia back and Lydia coming back with uh, Daryl and them and you know his fight with Beta and it just it didn't Oh, it, it just, it pissed me off that, that really, it was, it was, a, and I've, I've not really criticized this season very much. Um, it's not that I'm a sycophant or just a, a complete like fanboy of the show, uh, but when they do something wrong like this, I mean, and there's a lot of people that I believe would agree with me when I say that Henry should have been left alive because it, it, that's the one chance we have for that arc. So we had uh, Rodney's dead too, and Addie, the girl, the, own, the younger teenagers that uh, Henry was hanging out with. Uh, so what are you going to do? Are you going to take Gage and kind of make him a character now and uh, pair him up with Lydia? No. What they're going to try to do is Lydia is going to be paired up with Daryl now. Not in a romantic way because Daryl's old enough to be her father. But it's going to be like another almost Daryl and Beth, I believe, until they decide to kill Lydia off. Um, I don't. I don't really care for this. Uh, I think this is a this is a big faux pas on their part. Um, I, it just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Uh, I understand it's an impact, you know, and it makes them want to retaliate against whispers. We're leaving to whisper war, and you still could have had that. But uh, yeah, I would I would have killed Ezekiel and uh, just uh, taken Henry off and uh, killed off um, hell even Sadiq. I mean, kill him up. You killed off Enid, uh, a doctor from the hilltop. So why not kill off, um, kill off Sadiq too, uh, or you know somebody from Oceanside. Um, Rachel, you could have killed off her. She's the leader of Oceanside now. Uh, you killed Tara off, and a lot of Masterson. I love her to death. Her her arc, Tara's story arc was up. You know, she came in in you know season three or four with the governor. Uh, it, it was. It was great. She turned into an amazing character. Problem with her dying is now Hilltop has lost three leaders in a row. Maggie's gone. Jesus died. Tara died. Who's going to lead Hilltop now? Uh, I was sad to see DJ go. Um, he was a minor character, but I just I liked him partially because he reminds me of Josh Holloway that played Sawyer on Lost, and um, I just I thought uh, DJ was just kind of a cool character. 
uh, to have around is like kind of like somebody's like you know there he was like your 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 enforcer kind of character he was just a cool matt magnum did a you know with what he did he did a good job um but yeah so i would have killed off ezekiel uh and thrown the other uh kingdom teenager in there um gage killed off gage Rod, rodney and addy um tara still goes uh enid still goes uh, throw Sadiq in in place of Henry, take Ozzy off, and you, know, you put Ezekiel there, and everybody else stays the same. Uh, it was just kind of funny they killed off Frankie Negan's wife uh, because she was not, I don't even remember seeing her in the background of any shots outside of this episode, um, you know, when they did their establishing shots at the kingdom. But I don't know. It was just kind of funny that they made a point to kill her off. Um, and he's still got another wife or two floating around out there that I don't know if they're alive or not, but so, yeah, that was, uh, it was kind of, so that was your, uh, that was your lineup, but Sadiq was spared and left tied to a tree, uh, kind of to tell the story of what happened to, uh, these 10 folks and, uh, how they died, but he actually told how they fought back against all these odds and it was actually really cool, um, the the scene where Sadiq is telling the story at the end of the episode is um is really cool. But we're gonna go on to uh Daryl, Michonne, Yumiko, and Carol. You know, they got surrounded by these whispers. Uh and they have an exchange with Alpha and Alpha takes Daryl with her and this is straight out of the comics. Shows him a quarry, like, you know, I'm not a quarry, but like, yeah, I'm kind of a quarry full of walkers. Uh, she tells Daryl you know, there, there's some of her people are in there and they're kind of herding them around, keeping them there. She tells Daryl, she unleashes them. Um, if they cross in her territory and they'll overrun their, you know, they'll overrun their civil, their, uh, strongholds. They won't, their walls won't be, um, strong enough to stop that many walkers because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of walkers in there. It makes the, uh, the, the herd that surrounded Alexandria in season, I believe it was six look small um that they had rick had that elaborate plan to try to steer him away uh that wasn't as nearly as many as this um but so when this scene is over and alpha lets daryl leave uh she tells him you know about the southern border and she says you'll see the border to the north on your way out and, you know and this leads to the reunion of uh yumiko michonne Carol and they're released with their weapons. They meet up with Daryl. They find Sadiq on the way out tied to a tree. They go over the hill and then they see the heads and the pikes. So, you know, uh, when they get back to the kingdom, Sadiq tells how they fought uh, after DJ, Ozzy, and Alec, who were not captive, came rushing into the barn to save them. Uh, everybody was fighting, to, uh, fighting together uh, until they're completely outnumbered. And you see Alpha just kind of make her entrance, and that's when, like, they just got overran. Um, but yeah, they, you know, Sadiq said DJ and Alec and Ozzy didn't have to do what they did, but they did because they're a family and they were trying to, you know, save something good and everybody fought. And it was, it was a beautiful scene. It was the cinematography, the fight sequence was great. Uh, it was really heart wrenching to see, to know what was going to happen to these characters. Um, Enid, I, I, I can't even lie. Um, I really would have rather seen Alden die than her. Just because I love Caitlin Nacon on the show, and she's and everybody said like on talking to her, how how professional she was, 
uh, in her character arc, you know, from her little romance with Carl, uh, and then Kellen Karloff, uh, who should still be alive, but I understand what happened, you know, Chandler Riggs, college, whatever, whatever. But, no, so it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's just kind of funny, um, but no, they, they, they did a good job with the episode, I just, I disagree with some of the heads and the pikes, but, yeah, so next episode we get uh, the first snowstorm, blizzard, in uh, in The Walking Dead. In season nine, you know, where's it been? No. <laughs> uh, no, it was kind of funny to see Scott M. Gimple say how bad he wanted snow on there and never got to do it. And he said the set was gorgeous, so I'm looking forward to it. And the previews made this next episode, the season finale, uh, the storm, look absolutely great. We're going to talk some IWE. That's coming up next. Anchor listeners, here's some music for you. All right, so we are back in wrestling fans. Wrestling fans, it's your turn now. All right, so we're going to go back to uh, my IWE timeline. Uh, we're going to jump back to October of 2016. Uh, Battlezone TV episode number 23. And uh, just to preface this, I use that Can't Tell Me Nothing song a lot by Kanye West. Um, that was one of my many, many entrance themes I've had over the years. Uh, I still have all of them memorized. I need to make a list before uh, my memory gets too bad and I forget them. It's kind of a weird thing to remember, but yeah, I've had so many different entrance themes over the years. Uh, Yeah, I always liked using the licensed music when I wasn't working promotions that were uh, TV product like IWE was. We got stuck, like when I first started there, the uh, team ratings music was, I, I don't know, it was terrible. It was some garbage um, that was non-licensed. I went on to, it was like premiumbeats.com, found a song, uh, it was called Toxic Swamp. And it just, it, everything that I was looking for had to be somewhat in the style of the NWO. And it kind of had some similarities. Uh, one day I'll play it for you guys on here. Um, it had some similarities to it and it was enough to where I was like, this is it. And I emailed it to James and I'm like, what do you think? He's like, I like it. Uh, so I I dug it. I really, really, really uh, wanted to use, um, a song by Lauren Hill. (laughs) This is going to sound really stupid, but Hall and Nash used it in Japan. Um, and it was ready or not, you know, ready or not, here I come. I was like, and they use that in Japan. And I'm like, I want to use it so bad. And James was like, no, I'm not using that fucking song. Well, we couldn't use it anyway uh, at IWE because it was licensed. And we're on TV, so copyright bullshit. Can't do that. So I was like, well, let's use it when we go to another. Pro- no. <laughs> okay, man. Let's call this motherfucker Grumpy Bear. That was his nickname. He's my Grumpy Bear. Um <laughs> Yes, I did call him that. So, but uh, so let's get to episode twenty-three. I'll get on even more of a tangent about um, nonsense. Uh, so uh, we had um, Apocalypse was working Uncle Hector in this squash match, and it was, <laughs> you know, it was just kind of one of those things where it would be like Zack Ryder versus Braun Strowman before Zack Ryder got a push. You know, I, I quote air quotes a push. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of like that. Uh, he was just going to be fodder. You know, this is a straight-up squash match. Um, after Apocalypse is getting ready to give uh, Hector, like, his third elevator. Now, mind you, we're not out there. 
because we've got uh, the handicap match with Campbell later. So uh, APOC and the heavyweight title were kind of lower card to us at this point. Uh, and this is my in-ring uh, debut for IWE, uh, the first time I'd wrestled since 2012. Um, so I had a lot of ring rust. Uh, I had just been kind of rolling before the shows with uh, a couple of my boys like Will, uh, Will Vendetta, who... Ah, uh, dude, I love this kid. Uh, I called him Will Vendetta, brother Will or father. He's a, you know, he did a preacher gimmick with, uh, and actually Uncle Hector uh, was Cody Leedy under a mask, and those two were Sons of Sanity, who were, I believe, the longest reigning IWE tag champs. Uh, so, which should have been me and James, but that'll be that's another story. We're we're still early on in the in the in the story here, so. Um, Anyway, so Brody comes in to attack Apoc as he's getting ready to give Hector his third elevator. Um, you know, he runs in, me and James and Andrew Steele are down. Uh, Campbell comes in. We're beating on him. Uh, Brody and Apoc are battling. You know, they end up fighting to the back. This leads right into me and James versus Campbell. Uh, as we're just beating him down outside. You know, we throw him in the ring. Uh, me and Alex are working him over. Uh, James has got the mic, you know, he's doing his thing, running around, yelling at the crowd, yelling at John. Um, Alex takes off his team rating shirt. He's got a referee shirt on. We make him the ref. Uh, we just throw John up right as soon as the match starts, double suplex, bop. Uh, and we start, you know, going after his kidneys because the previous month we've been hitting him with the bat. You know, we've been working that whole that whole deal. So James and John start. I, I kind of just powdered, you know, after the, the beginning schmaz. Uh, they go right into the heat. Uh, John got a little bit of shine. Uh, I cut it off at one point. Uh, I was out most of the match, uh, the early going of the match, um, just because, honestly, I had I had a lot of nerves. Uh, I was completely sober this match. Um, didn't have any drinks or anything before, uh, before I came out. Um, because it was my first match in four years, I probably should have smoked one, but it didn't. Um, no, it was just, uh, it was just, I was like, I was going to stay completely level-headed for this one. You know, first time out, was, nerves were there. Um, but I got over that real quick. Uh, especially after, uh, I felt what my body was feeling like, uh, after that match, you know, for the next couple of days. Cause at this point, um, I didn't really have my full gear. I, uh, I was, oh, it was bad. I was wrestling in a, I had my team rating shirt, which I wrestled with a shirt on for four or five months uh but we'll get to that later um but no i had uh, i was just black dress pants i had wrestling boots um but i was just doing black dress pants because uh, i me and james were like in the process of like looking for matching gear um so it was kind of just more like the enforcer kind of like geared look you know um but i didn't have knee pads uh, and boy, after that first match, uh, in the next, uh, four or five days, I was like, I'm getting knee pads. Cause I did a lot of, you know, bumps before and everything. And during the match it was like the, what I didn't realize was, oh my God, this is going to hurt <laughs> tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that, that bad. So yeah, um, I geared up well after that, but, uh, you know, so when I got in, got the tag into the match, uh, I just remembered them just like, keep it basic. Uh, you know, first match of four years. So it was mostly punch, kick, chokes, um, basic beat down stuff. You know, uh, this was the first time I really, I said, you know, there's one spot I want to do. 
uh, and it's the Kevin Nash corner spot, you know, the, the three knees, the crotch chop, and then the elbow, whatever, whatever, which I kind of evolved that over time. Um, because I, I whipped, I, the first time I tried to do it, and I told John, I said, corner spot. And I, I, I'd explained this to him before the match. And John is a veteran of, you know, years and years. And one of the best, uh, easiest guys to work with in the ring. He's a big, strong guy. Like, um, like very strong. Uh, which is odd for a vegan. No, but um, I could, I always bust his chops about that. But no, he's in tremendous shape. And he's, you know, into uh, actually like, what does he do? Is it judo or jujitsu too? Um, so he does, I mean, he's like legit with his, uh, with his chain and his, his holds and stuff. Um, but he's very soft to work with, which is exactly what you want in the ring. Uh, but still make it look wonderful. Um, and just has a great psychology and attitude uh, towards the business. Um, but it was funny because the Irish whipped him in the corner. And to play the kidney bit up, he just like, you know, he took it, like, looked like I killed him and just flopped. And, you know, I was like, oh, damn it. So later on, I got it, I got it in a little bit. You know, I did the measure up and came in with the back elbows, which in time I would turn into uh, three knee lifts, go back, measure it up. I think I do a back elbow. And then instead of, uh, I just kind of either grab you by the head and just throw you down, depending on who it was. I had three variations. I would just, after I did my, you know, my three knee lifts, uh, you know, give you the suck it, come in hit the back elbow. I do the grab you by the back of the head and just throw you down to the mat and just tell you, you know, go flat, you know, bump. Or, uh, I would, uh, let you walk to me and hit you with a, uh, just a straight up DDT. Uh, or, I would go to the other side of the ring, start doing almost like the Godfather's hoe train, except I called it the money train, and I'd uh, run across the ring and hit you with a big splash. So uh, it was, uh, I, I, I'd worked in a couple different variations on that, which it was just kind of fun to do little things like that, um, just to see little, you know, just little spots evolve, because you know, as a heel, most of the time, I was like, I have no problem taking the shine from the, you know, the baby faces. You know, I'm, I, now... We'll get into the the way I think a lot of our matches should have went, um, but because I was, you know, I mean, I was a veteran, but I wasn't. I would generally just sit back and be cool with anything, unless it was a spot I didn't want to do. Then I'd just be like, no, I'm not fucking doing that. So, and I did that a couple times. You know, I hate to be a diva, but I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm I'm not fucking doing that. Sorry, you know, fucking come up with something else. So, and generally, I. Spoiled Brad, I got in the way. Um, but no, uh, at one point, John caught us in a move. Uh, he did like a DDT neck breaker to, uh, you know, I think I took the neck breaker and James took the DDT. Uh, and we'd done it a few times. It's a nice looking spot, easy to execute, as long as your timing's good. Uh, and then Alex just starts putting the boots to John. Um, I, I go outside at this point because we had this, the finish set up. It was like, since this is my first match, um, you know, he wanted, um, I was supposed to get the pinfall or the submission. I think it was a pinfall, but something happened. Um, and it was my fault. Um, I go outside, I get a couple folding chairs, legit steel chairs, throw them in the ring. Um, we set them up facing each other, right? And I didn't, the ring was small. Uh, the ring was small as a motherfucker. Uh, 14 by 14. Uh, and I'm 6'3". You know, when, it, when we started doing legit training and I was running ropes, I mean, I cleared this bitch in like two steps almost. I mean, it was stupid. You know, I had to uh, brace myself for my turn and, uh, you know, get my arm around the ropes and get my steps down. 
on my second step off the ropes because I was already there. So, I mean, for a big guy, it's, you know, I mean, the little, the Dean boys, who I'll talk about later, because we end up working a little program with them. Um, great guys, but I mean, they're little dudes, you know, they're like five, 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 you know, hundred fucking, hundred, 110 pounds. You know, these guys, it's like, doo, 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 you know, it's like, you know, five, 10 steps. <laughs> but like me, it's like me and James, are like fucking two steps we're across the ring. Um, but so I go to set the, 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 that whole thing was a setup for how small this ring was. Um, I set the chairs up and I thought I had enough space between me and the ropes. Like I said, John is a tall guy too. John is a six, two or six, three. He's my height. Um, so I, me pick him up and we're facing each other and I slowly spin him around. So we're behind each other and I set up the rude awakening, uh, which I was going to use as my finisher at the beginning, but I'm like, after I did it the first time, I'm like, had nothing to do with what I did with the chairs. I was just like, I don't fucking like it. It's not, this isn't uh, the kind of finisher that a guy my size should be using. So not saying I'm bigger than Rick Rude, but I just, by comparison to the other guys, I would mostly be working with. I'm like, no, this isn't, this isn't right. So, but on a guy like John, um, I mean, I probably could have got him up in the razor's edge, but at this point, like I said, being my first match, I wasn't going to try anything uh, outside of my wheelhouse. So I set him up for the rude awakening across the chairs. But when I went down, I didn't, I said, you know, I told him when I got him up, I said, go. And he went down and I kind of like, I went for like, almost like a, I, I laid out for almost like a reverse RKO. And, um, I fucking caught the back of my head on the chair on the way down. Now he went across it and lo it looked good. He sold his kid, sold the fuck out of his kidneys on it. Um, I smoked the back of my head and like right on TV, you can see me go down, grab my head and kind of kick my feet a little like shit, you know, and I got up and I was out of it. So James being the veteran, he just fucking comes in, locks John in like a rear naked choke and uh, Alex called for the bell. Um, so he just keeps choking him out. Uh, I was kind of out of my feet. So I powdered to get my bat. Uh, and I, and you can see, cause the camera, one of the ringside camera people had the camera right on me and, uh, I'm ringside and I, I go to step up on the ropes and I just kind of throw my head down on my bicep and just kind of it was like, oh, I need to catch my, you know, get my bearings here. So I get in the, uh, I get in the ring, James and Alex tape John to the ropes with his back towards me and I'm calling for the microphone. Uh, I get the mic and I cut a promo. I cut the town to shreds, you know, cut the people to shreds. Um, you know, I I think it was like you buck tooth bridge card you know something's happened i mean just went i i i wanted to go full dudley's on them it I, there was that like i would do my promos and like when i was healing i mean i would get to the point where i would just make myself like angry i would just like and it, it wasn't as easy it's weird to say it wasn't as easy when i was sober <laughs> to get like angry you know but at this point i was kind of out of it too because i'd hit the back of my head but so i had my bat and uh, I'm talking shit, and I just take, I just start taking my bat, you know, and I'm hitting, hitting them in the kidneys, and, you know, uh, really, really laying into them with this, and uh, Cartier comes sliding in with a chair for the save, uh, me and James Powder, and we just started insulting him, and then we left, so that kept us going uh, with Campbell moving forward, and it teased something with uh, Rick, you know, who we just kicked out of team ratings uh, the previous episode, so it was um, during the uh, Imperial Cup for his loss. So it was uh, it was just kind of a uh, it was a nice little uh, debut for re debut. I mean, the IWE debut in the ring for me. And now at this point, I am uh, doing pretty well in the uh, voting for 
not only rookie of the year, but manager of the year as well. Um, which would go on until I believe it was the end of December of 2016, something like that. And they announced in early January, you know, who won all the awards. And I ended up, uh, spoiler alert, I ended up winning, you know, rookie of the year and, uh, manager of the year for 2016, which is cool. You know what I mean? They're just like, it was like fun little words, just nothing like PWI or anything like that, which actually at this point, um, John was on the PWI, uh, singles list, uh, I'd like top 500. Um, he was like 470 something, but I mean, that's just a testament to how good the guy actually is, um, in the ring. And he is, he's, he's a, he's a talent and, uh, he does a wonderful job with the promotion and, uh, you know, just really the guy is just very willing to do anything and everything, um, for the, for the business and the guys on the roster. So, you know, hat was off to him always. Um, so, no, so that was episode uh, 23. That was my involvement, uh, team ratings. Uh, you know, we beat the shit out of Brody and, you know, APOC did and beat the shit out of Uncle Hector. And we, you know, we went over on Campbell again. Or, uh, you know, we lost to him, but we, you know, beat the hell out of him again and went over. Which, like I said, the, the, the result of the match is less important than how you're telling your story. Uh, if you really, truly care about wins and losses... You're a mark. No, I don't give a shit. I mean, you know, it's, I don't, I think I took in uh, just over a year with them. I think I took, I took a pinfall maybe once. Um, I, when, when you know, it comes time for us to be like, um, okay, you know, who, we, we, the one match we lost, one or two matches we lost uh, by pinfall. I was like, I'll, I'll take it, you know, and it was before we had the straps, Um because I don't think we worked any non-title matches once we had them, but it was just, uh, yeah, it was just, well, fuck it. I'll do it. You know, I'm like, I'll, I don't care. I was like, let me, you know, let me do it. <laughs> cool. Uh, cause I, you know, I didn't care. It was just, it was fun. Um, it was just fun doing it, but yeah. So that's, uh, that's my IWE timeline. Uh, we got episode 24 will be coming up next. Um, and I might condense a couple of these because there was a couple episodes, um, that, we just, I mean, like I said, it was only a spot or two, a uh, match or two, and there wasn't a lot going on in December from, uh, let's see, we're going into November, November, December, uh, December picked up, November's a little slow, but we'll, we'll get to that, so uh, we'll still, we'll do that uh, next episode, we'll do uh, 24 and maybe 25, uh, but I want to talk a little bit um, about Charlotte Flair and uh, Asuka, and just some other random WWE stuff, strictly opinion stuff coming up. That's in the next segment. Coming up next. So we're in the final, what, couple, week and a half here before WrestleMania. All right. Charlotte Flair goes over on Asuka last night on SmackDown for the women's title, which is going to lead to what I believe is going to be a unification match, some shit at WrestleMania. Um... Everybody is complaining because Charlotte went over on Asuka and Charlotte doesn't deserve this because they're only pushing her because of her last name. And, da, 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 da. and you know, some of that is going to be true. Um, you know, there's some there's some obvious nepotism uh, involved uh, with trying to get her as many title runs as her dad had. Um is she completely worthy of everything 
not 100%, but here's here's where, and I look at this from a different perspective, um, I don't see very many, I mean, they have a good women's division now, they really do, but I mean, as far as your um, show-stopping, you know, uh, main event type talents, uh, her and Sasha Banks had a one and <laughs> to say her and Sasha Banks had a, a great rivalry is almost, uh, that's putting it all in Charlotte because as far as I'm concerned, Sasha Banks is nothing but a stripper, uh, who knows a few moves and is not afraid to throw herself around. Um, I, I just, I don't, there's nothing redeeming about her in the ring to me. Uh, the boss and hug connection. Uh, Bailey is, God love them. I mean, they're talented women, but it's just stupid fucking gimmicks. I, I don't like that little, and I understand it's, you know, it's for, you know, to get the kids, you know, not only little girls, but, you know, little kids in general, you know, positive type Oh, it, this is why I don't watch the TV product anymore. Because I absolutely understand the need for the family-friendly, you know, stuff. But at the same time, as somebody who's been in the business and been heavily fucking censored and ha and, and basically shackled to this fucking PG type shit, uh, when I could have cut some promos that would have made Bubba Ray Dudley blush. Um, and <laughs> anybody that knows me knows that I, that's what I'm fucking capable of when I have a microphone in my hand or I just get pissed off enough and I start shooting from the fucking hip. Um, no, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't find anything really. There's uh, to me right now, the women's division, um, Oscar's wonderful. But Asuka's, Vince is old and racist, and he'll give her enough, but he won't completely, like, sell the farm and bet the, or bet the farm on Asuka. Um, I mean, he is, you know, Vince is insulated in a circle of yes men, uh, and anybody that says he's not is full of shit, because he is, and he always has been, um... I mean, that's why he listens to the commentators on Raw and SmackDown, you know, live as it's happening uh, in a headset and he's in their ears. It's just, it's fucking, he's a control freak. But, I mean, I look at it like this. Your, your upper echelon of the women's division, Charlotte and Becky are right there. Uh, I mean, if you're looking for just a pure athlete fighter, I mean, yeah, obviously Ronda Rousey. Uh, but I'm not saying as far as like being a professional wrestler goes. She's there because she's Ronda Rousey. That's okay. You know what I mean? It's not like she's not a fucking world-class fighter because she absolutely is. You know, <laughs> I mean, the woman was the UFC champ. You know, she got her ass beat. But hey, you know what? She was the best in the world for a while. Um, does that translate over to pro wrestling? Brock Lesnar, it did. Uh, but, you know, he's like the definition of a part-timer. Um, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. What I'm saying is, for the women's division right now, you've got Charlotte, you've got Becky, and you've got Ronda Rousey. Um, Asuka, talent-wise, talent is there. 
Uh, but with her gimmick and her not being able to speak English that well, Vince is not going to put the fucking stock into her and give her the banner and tell her to run with it. It's not going to happen. Uh, that's not fair to her. But at the same time, you know what? It's the fucking it's the fucking reality of the business. And this is this is the thing. And people complain and bitch and say, oh, that's racist. You know, is it is it is it? I wouldn't go say full blown race. I don't know if it's full blown racist. Is it prejudicial? Absolutely. Um, and if anybody says that isn't the reason why she's not getting the push, they're full of shit because <laughs> I've seen this, been around this business and seen the WWE and how they treated foreign, uh, the foreign talent, especially Asians. Um, and it's not fucking. It's not like it's not great. Uh, look at Funaki. I mean, <laughs> holy shit, man. Uh, you know, I don't think Vince ever really wanted to push Gail Kim um, because she was Asian. Um, I mean, some of the the wrestlers from Japan are fucking, you know, in Asia and that area in general. Uh, I mean, God, they have some of the best fucking just solid workers. You know, and they work strong style, too. Um, and Asuka is capable of that. And that's just... Uh, and. and as you can see, I'm kind of singing her fucking praises because I know how good... I don't file the product that steady. I don't watch it every week. But I can watch videos and see who the fuck's good, you know, when she came in out of NXT. Um, I think the first match I ever saw was hers and uh, Dana Brooke. And, oh, Dana, I, I, I wish I wish she would get better in the ring because if her, if her ring skills matched her body and her looks... Um, top tier man i mean that's like that's the kind of women that they need is these like athletes you know i mean then like to me i look at like and i'm not saying that uh sasha banks is an athletic just because she's skinny i mean but uh, it's a different level of athleticism between a girl like dana brooks and a girl like sasha banks um yeah it, it just is um you know that's i just laugh when i I would see, like, okay, so they'll they'll have, like, an ultra-fit, uh, you know, female worker. I'm like, oh, they're going to job her out to some skinny bitch. It was like when Beth, they used to make Beth Phoenix job to Candace Michelle. <laughs> I used to get so pissed off, and I knew it was work, but I was like, come on. Um, because, to me, Beth Phoenix is probably one of the best pound-for-pound women ever to get in the ring uh, in the Fed. Um but they, they, another one, they just kind of, she, and that's I laugh at she looks like a guy. <laughs> if you think that that woman looked like a man, there's something fucking wrong with you, like straight up. It's like, I hear that about uh, Charlotte Flair all the time. Call her David Flair and shit. I'm like, don't, don't be intimidated because she can bench more than you, bro. It's okay. <laughs> Look, man, she could pick you up and you could grab stuff off the top shelf. Uh, no, man, it, you know, to each their own. It's just kind of funny. I'm like, you know, of all the things you can insult her for, I mean, I've seen her leak nudes. She's a woman. She's a woman. It's not ma'am, you know. Uh, she's a woman. One of her implants is offset uh, from the other one, though. <laughs> Them things are a little off balance. Uh, but I've really went off the rails here on this little rant. Um, but, yeah, and uh, I saw something the other day. I can't remember who it was. One of my buddies sent me a link to it. Um, it was almost like the Joey Ryan dick spot, which I think I went off on how fucking stupid I think that is and how fucking stupid I think Joey Ryan is. 
Uh, I did because it was, uh, I talked about him and that, I don't know the female worker's name that threw up on his junk, but, uh, yeah, um, that's, that's about the sum total of what I think of Joey Ryan. So some guy did, it was like they were grabbing each other's asses in the ring and then like he flexed his ass and they all did like a flip, you know, there was like six, seven, eight of them. And it was, it wasn't some like rookie either. I mean, the dude was a vet. I mean, I want it looked like, it looked like fucking either Yushin Thunder Liger or, uh, psychosis back under the mask but i i know it wasn't either of them um but god was it just a stupid fucking stop doing shit like that like fan service for the sake of fan service come on i mean we're, we're live action role playing you know grown men in tights play fighting but at least make it uh plausible like don't be a complete fucking idiot like, like I said, it's as realistic as putting Candace Michelle over on Beth Phoenix, man. It's just, that'd be like putting one of them fucking midget, little midget wrestler ladies over on uh, China. <laughs> or back when they did uh, Ray, Ray Mysterio, the giant killer, and we're putting them over on guys like Kevin Nash and shit. Get the fuck out of here with that, you little fucking, fucking pick your little midget ass up in lawn dart and you into a fucking wall. Oh, so number one, don't do stupid fucking gimmick spots. Like I said, I, I I'm gonna talk about the royal, uh, the first uh, over the top rope battle royal we did in IWE, and it coincided with Tip Up Town um, in Houghton Lake, which is like a ice carnival. Um, and one of the guys had that brilliant idea to do a fucking wedgie spot, and the time that he wanted to do the spot just so happened that I was like, what me and James were like number, I think four and five to come into this match. And we were in this bitch. Play. It was like, fuck 45 minutes. I think I, I was dead by the time and we'd wrestled, uh, the taping before that too. I think we pulled the, we, we actually wrestled on both tapings that night. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Fucking, had to do this stupid fucking wedgie spot. And then this guy ends up winning the Battle Royal because he was new. You know, he, was, he was not new in the business, but he was established. Um, and uh, they put this guy over in the Royal. And he ended up quitting like a couple months later or whatever. I don't know. But it was just like, this is... Uh, uh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that later, but... So don't do stupid fucking gimmick spots because number one, they make you look like I, I kind of like fluffed it off and didn't really like put much into it because I was just like, this is fucking stupid. Just, just fucking eliminate me if I got to do this shit, you know, because I, I really didn't give a shit. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to fucking do this dumb shit. I hate it. I hate gimmick spots. I hate comedy spots. And James would always get mad at me because he'd want to do them. And they're like, oh, we're, you know, we're healing. You know, we do fun. Okay. If I do funny shit, it's going to be at the expense of the baby face. All right. I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm a fucking heel. I'm fuck you. <laughs> take your little comedy spots and fucking take them off somewhere else. I'm not, I don't do that shit. That's just me. I don't care. And I'll probably, if any other workers are there, Oh, you just fucking, you fucking Mark. Suck my dick. I don't care. <laughs> Bottom line. You don't like my opinion that's it it's my opinion that's it you know i'm just giving you my perspective of somebody who's been there and done that and um i just don't like them 
I, I don't, I don't care for him. Um, you know, uh, like I said, it just, it, it takes away, you know, from, from the, the, my level of seriousness that I like to bring to it. Like I said, it's all, all in perspective because we are play fighting, but you know, to what I like, the, the point I like to get across the crowd, you know, like I don't, I don't do that stupid shit. So that fucking wedgie train and the fucking ass grabbing train and the dick grabbing train and the girl throwing up on Joey Ryan's dick, get it has, it's stupid. It's fucking stupid. And this is what happens when you let idiots do <laughs> idiots call spots. It's just it's it's stupid. And then you see everybody trying to imitate the shit. Like I said, it's just it's a snowball rolling down a hill. Uh and it's made of pure stupidity. So me and Jim Cornette agree on something. <laughs> With that being said, that's uh that's where we're gonna wrap it up for the night is I've gone way off the rails and gotten really profane and <laughs> everything. So good thing I'm not going for sponsors this episode. Um, I'm going to have to start putting a parental warrant on the beginning of these, aren't I? Uh, yeah, so uh, episode 13 um, is going to be, we'll do more of my IWE timeline. We'll have uh, episode 24, Battlezone TV from November 2016. Um, and we're going to talk, uh, I'm going to try to rent um, Aquaman uh, so I can wa watch that finally. Uh, I couldn't stream it. In my, uh, my my streaming service was not streaming service, but uh, the uh, website where I stream from wasn't working right. So I'm just going to go break down and rent it um, and uh, hopefully be able to uh, sneak out and see uh, Shazam because I've heard nothing but great things about Shazam. And I am extremely excited to see that. Uh, it looks like a fun uh, kind of kick-ass movie. So yeah, with that being said, I am done ranting and raving for the night, guys. Um, yeah, don't be mad at Charlotte Flair. Don't hate the player, hate the game. You know, it, it, it ain't her fault uh, that, you know, she was born with the last name she was and, you know, her dad's who he is. That's just, she's a fucking great worker. Um, you can't. And if you're, if you say she's not, then... And these, I'm sorry, I was going to wrap it up, but one more point to the people that say that Trish Stratus is a better worker than Charlotte Flair. Um, you're kidding yourselves. She, Trish Stratus was, Trish Stratus is a great worker, uh, but the WWE Hall of Fame is fucking meaningless. Um, you know that's a work, right? That's, that's as real as the, what happens in the ring. Uh, and from a best pure worker standpoint, Trish Stratus could never uh, do what Charlotte does. Uh, Trish was good, but she was nowhere near great. Charlotte is great. Um, and that's because she's strong and she works hard and she she's built up and she can do the physical shit that those little Barbie girls back then. And Trish was you know, like Trish was a fitness model. All right. Let's let's not say that she was like a figure, you know, like, a, like some kind of bodybuilder, like jujitsu or some shit like that, like Ronda Rousey or, you know. Uh, no, she was a fucking uh, bikini model who Vince had a fucking hard on for and he fucking hired her and she became a, a good worker over the years. But I mean, come on, man. She was not fucking great. Lita was better than her. Hell, Victoria was better than her, but they, Victoria was, um, in physically like amazing shape, uh, was a great worker. So they were never going to put her over. They, they, you know, she, she was like a B cup. Uh, and didn't want to get implants and probably wasn't a ring rat. So she got fucking relegated to jobbing out to lesser fucking workers. So Trish is overrated. Charlotte's the best worker on your roster right now. As far as pure work, 
rate goes and skill level. Uh, her, her and Becky are right there, but I, I give Charlotte a little bit of an edge um, just because of what she can do um, on the whole. So, yep, that's it. Tune in next time. We'll probably be back. Today is uh, Wednesday. We'll shoot for uh, we'll shoot for Friday for uh, episode 13. With that being said, guys, have a great night. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Pete on the Place to Be Reviews. Uh, follow me on Twitter at N80Pete. Uh, I am currently in a Twitter jail. Um, don't tell Alexandria Oxacio-Cortez to learn how to code. Don't do that. <laughs> Apparently telling anybody to learn how to code gets you suspended from Twitter. So, uh, yeah, I'm out. See you guys. So he's at work, and we had a tie for employee of the month, and it was, I don't know, and uh, the other one was, I didn't do it. So when it was a tie, we had to go to the tiebreaker, and that was the boss, and his name was, it's not my fucking job. So it's not my fucking job decided who was the employee of the month between I don't know and I didn't do it.